Thank you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Happy Resurrection Day! Today we're going to talk about just that, resurrections. Jesus not only went to the cross for us and defeated death once, but he is coming to do it again. Pastor is talking today about who we are in Christ and the resurrections. Let's jump right in. I want to welcome everybody. So glad you're here today, Resurrection Sunday. Wherever you're at with your device, we're so glad you're a part of the online service. And we are going to jump right in. And I want to read Matthew's account of the resurrection, Matthew 28 and verse 1. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothes as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Christianity is built on the foundation of two supernatural events. The incarnation, God becoming flesh and dwelling among us, and the resurrection. But to begin with, Romans chapter 4 and verse 25 says, He was delivered up because of our offenses. Jesus did not go to the cross because of what the Romans did or Pilate did or because of what the Pharisees or some Jewish people did. The Bible says Jesus went to the cross because of you and because of me. He was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. I read one translation that says, when we were justified. Now, that may not get you excited, but it should. When, when a paralyzed man was let down in front of Jesus, his friends had made a hole in the roof. Jesus said, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. You know, that is one thing that should make everybody happy. To be justified is to be made just as if I'd never sinned. And the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead, the Bible says it's because of or when you were justified. You were made just as if you had never sinned. Now, someone may say, well, I don't feel that way. Well, that's because there is a devil who the Bible calls, one of his names is the accuser of the brethren. He's constantly wanting you to focus on the things that you've done wrong your sins, your failures, your shortcomings. What we should do whenever he brings us to our past, I believe we should remind him of his future. Revelation 20.10 says that he will be thrown into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are, and he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, about the time you mentioned Revelation 20.10, he's going to shut up because he does not want to hear about his future. He's wanting to talk to us about our past. And the reason is he wants us to focus on our sin. 
The Bible tells us really the strength that the devil has, it is sin. But 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 18 says this. Now, these new things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. Now, this is important, so I want you to listen. Every religion on the face of the earth is initiated by man, and it is man reaching out, trying to touch God, trying to please God, trying to connect with God, trying to receive something from God. It's man reaching out. But notice what this verse said. We're of God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. Christianity was not man-initiated, it was God-initiated. It's God saying, this is what needs to happen for me to connect with humanity, to forgive humanity, to manifest my, myself and my love in their life. I need to send somebody to pay for their sin. So it was not man-initiated, it was God. He brought us back to himself. And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come in his favor and be reconciled to him. For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message he's given us to tell others. See, God is not counting men's sins against them. The Bible says he's blotted their sins out. And this is the wonderful message he's given us to tell others. Now, I don't know why it is, but sometimes it's like people go to church and the pastor just beats them up and they go, wow, I really deserve that. Man, he did a good job. You know, God never said beat sheep. He said, feed them, feed them, right? And the message that we need to hear is not how bad our sin is, but that God has taken it out of the way so that we can have a relationship with him today and forever. That's the wonderful message that we've been given. Now, God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself. Now, God was working in Christ, but he was not working on Christ. He was working on you. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us or constrains us, some translations say, because we judge thus. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Now, notice that one died for all. Probably you've heard the saying, Jesus paid a debt he did not owe, because you owed a debt you could not pay. That Jesus was my substitute. In fact, in, in theological circles, they, they call it the substitutionary atonement of Christ. And this is no exaggeration. You could literally fill libraries full of books, nothing but on the subject of the substitutionary atonement of Christ. And we need to understand that, and it's good. But that is not what the Bible wants us to understand here. It says that if one died for all, then all died. Then all died. Now, obviously, 
if you had been at Calvary with the disciples and, and Mary Magdalene and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, if you had been there and you had looked at what was happening, you would have seen on that hill, you would have seen a three crosses, a thief on each side of Jesus, Jesus in the middle, up on top of his cross, there was a parchment in three languages saying, Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. That's what you would have seen. However, God saw some things quite a bit differently. In fact, we, we can uh, kind of say it like this. If, if you were to take a picture of my foot with, take out your phone, you know, you'd see nice black shoes, black socks, khaki, khaki pants, right? But if you take an x-ray picture, how I many it would be completely different? Now, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's like taking your phone out and taking a picture of what happened at Calvary. But when you read the epistles, it's like taking an x-ray picture because the picture that you see there is totally different. It's not what you'd see in the natural. It was what happened in the spiritual realm. The Gospels gives man's view, but the epistles give God's view. And by the way, the epistles, they're not the wise of the apostles. The epistles are letters written by the apostles to churches that they had started. So, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. One translation says, my old man was crucified with Christ. Now, Paul's saying that he was crucified with Christ. That's interesting. And, and from God's perspective, he was. In fact, I remember growing up in Anybody here besides me grew up in church? And, and we had the Psalter hymnal. And we never varied from the Psalter hymnal. I mean, we sang a song, songs from the Psalter hymnal. Verse 1, 3, and 5, or whatever the verse. Right? You remember? Okay. And there was this song that I thought was the stupidest song. We used to sing this song, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? And I thought, idiots. I'm 12. Of course I wasn't there. All right? Listen. But when God saw the cross, you were on it. You were on it when God saw the cross. Now, Romans chapter 5 and verse, verse 12 says this, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin. Now, when God created Adam, he created Adam to be a representative man. And he represented you in everything that he did. And when he bowed his knee to Satan, and he let sin and death and war and sickness and disease and everything into this world, in God's eye, it wasn't just Adam who sinned. It was everybody who was in Adam. Now, this, this example might help. I've used it before. Some of you have probably heard this. But uh, Jeannie and I were missionaries in Mexico. And at the time that we were there, it was technically illegal to be a missionary. And seeing our first child was born in Mexico, we were getting quite a bit of hassle from the Mexican government. So we thought, well, we're, we're pregnant again. We'll go up to the United States and have our child second child, born in the United States. They'll be a United States citizen because our first child was a Mexican citizen. And our decision to go up to 
Jeannie's parents, affected our son's nationality. Now, he had no choice in the matter, did he? Because he was in Jeannie. He was in her. And her choices affected his life and his nationality. Now, the same thing is true with Adam. You were in Adam. And because of that, everything that he did, he represented you in doing it. And then, by the way, Jeannie's water breaks. We put her in the car. We got 12 miles to get to the hospital. And uh, when we get to the hospital, I run up to the emergency door uh, entrance, and it's locked. So we try to get to the front of the hospital, and he's born before we get there. In fact, three of our four children were born in the van, and that's why they're called Van Der Klocks, because they were... (laughs) (laughs) that's the best joke I've got for today believe me all right first Corinthians chapter 15 all right so it is written the first man Adam became a living being or a living soul the last Adam became a life-giving spirit now there was not just one representative man God sent a second representative man. And the second representative man, the Bible here calls him the last Adam. However, the spiritual was not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth made of dust. The second man, the last Adam, is the Lord from heaven. How many recognize who the last Adam is? The last representative man is Jesus. And so literally everything that happened in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he represented you. Now, again, if you read the Gospels, you see the natural, what the natural man saw. But when you read the epistles, you get God's view of what happened in the spirit realm. In fact, just over 130 times, the Bible uses these phrases, in Christ, in him, in whom, and with him. And what each one of them does is it shows you and I what God saw happen at the cross, what spiritually took place. Colossians 2, let me just give you one example of this. Colossians 2 in verse 15. Now, that's why as a New Testament believer, we should spend the majority of our time in the New Testament because that's where we're gonna find out who we are in Christ. And by the way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, that means he took you to the cross. He took you in his death. He took you in his burial. He took you in his resurrection. In fact, the Bible says, you've been raised up together with him and you are seated together with him in heavenly places. I mean, that's where you are in God's view. Now, if all you ever do is look at things naturally, you won't see it. But that's why 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. With your in union with him, God is saying, look, you do not understand who you are. You do not know the authority that you have. You don't know who you are in Christ. In fact, you are so new, so different that you need God to introduce you to yourself. And the only place you're going to find out who you are, what belongs to you, and what you can do is in the Bible. That's where you're going to find out. Colossians 2, verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements, that was against us, which was contrary to us. 
And he, that's God, is taking it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Again, if you were there with the disciples, on top of Jesus' cross, Pilate had written, Jesus, the king of the Jews, three languages. But if you had been sitting next to God and God was watching, if this is what you would have seen, the Bible says that God nailed something to the cross. And it was the handwriting of requirements that was against you. Now, you say, what is that? And for a long time, I really didn't understand this, but I'll tell you what it was. Moses went up on the mountain and spent 40 days with God. And the Bible says that God took his finger and he wrote the commandments. Uh, I just wanted to ask, is there anybody here who's ever broken any of those? They're against you. And they are literally the devil's ammunition against you. It's what he uses to condemn you, to disqualify you. But the Bible says God nailed that to Jesus' cross. And Jesus died to pay for every one of those requirements that you and I have failed to do. And as a result, it says, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them. He triumphed over them in it. What Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross there is those requirements, is his death and his shed blood paid for every one of those requirements. What happened was Satan lost his power. He was disarmed because the weapon that he has is the sin you've committed. But it's taken out of the way. And the Bible says that he ransomed you. He redeemed you. So we need to understand that when we read the Bible, that is where we're going to find out who we really are, what belongs to us, what God did in Christ. But now 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam... All died, even so in Christ, listen, all shall be made alive. Now, that phrase there, all shall be made alive, is a, it's speaking of the resurrection, or I should say it this way the resurrections, multiples. Each one in his own order. Christ, secondly, the first fruits, thirdly, afterwards, those who are at his, or, or Christ, at his coming, and fourthly, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule, all authority, and power, for he must reign till he has put all things under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So it says each one in his order. Christ, he was the first to be raised from the dead. Now, people were raised from the dead beforehand in the Old Testament, even Lazarus, but they were raised from the dead to die again. But Christ is the first to be raised, never to die again. But then notice the Bible says the first fruits. Uh, a, a lot of times I've found that Christians have just read over this, but I want to read you a little bit out of Matthew's gospel, the 27th chapter, talking about the resurrection. It says, then behold, the vow of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earthquake and the rocks were split. Now, in the temple, 
there was, a, there was this, this veil that separated the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was. Now, and by the way, God had literally said, he said, my presence will be on top of that Ark above the mercy seat under the angel's wings. But when Jesus died, sin was taken out of the way. And sin was what separated us from God. And so that veil, they say that, that the, the, the veil itself was 20 feet tall. And I've read different, different opinions of scholars. It's between four and six inches thick. And it is ripped from top to bottom. No man ripped it. God ripped it. And what God was saying, he's saying, sin has been taken out of the way. And I'm no longer hiding inside this small compartment where a man could come once a year and never without blood. But now, Jesus' blood has made the way for mankind to come into my presence. And then verse 52, and the graves were, graves multiple, plural, were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city, that's Jerusalem, and appeared to many. So can you imagine you're walking down in the mall and all of a sudden you, you, your Uncle Bill who's been dead for 30 years and Aunt Mary show up walking by? That's literally what happened. Many people, godly people that were buried around Jerusalem were raised when Jesus was raised. Now, the reason for that, the Bible calls it the first fruits. God wanted us to know that the resurrection of Jesus was not a singular event. This was not something that was going to happen to Jesus and nobody else. It's going to happen to everybody. So the first is Christ. Then there's the first fruits. And then it says, those at his coming. Those at his coming. So let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians 4. Now, you, you know this, but every single New Testament author, everyone, even if they just wrote one chapter, every one of them talks about the return of Jesus. He's coming again. And this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed or go ahead of those who have fallen asleep or who are dead. Now, when today, if you're a believer and your heart stops, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Instantly, your spirit and your soul go to be with the Lord. However, your body stays here. And your body will get buried, most likely. Maybe, you know, today almost 40% of people are cremated. And, and let me just say, that's not the Christian thing to do. It's no problem for God. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that you are to sow the body or bury the body looking to the resurrection. When Moses died, God performed the funeral. How many think he would do a good job? The Bible says he buried him. Just, just to make it real simple, all right? But the Bible says that those, so, so it, let me just say, if, it, if somebody's cremated, if somebody's eaten by a shark or whatever happens, it's not a problem for God. If there's no problem. Those, okay, Remain to the coming Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, that's talking about their physical body. And their body will rise. And 1 Corinthians 15 says, at the same time, 
It says in the twinkling of an eye or in a nanosecond, all right, those that are alive will be changed. It says we'll not all die, but we will all be changed. So when Jesus comes back, the dead who have died in the Lord, they're coming with them, their spirit, their soul, but their body's going to be raised. And somebody says, how God going to do that if they were eaten by a shark? I don't know. But listen, listen, I don't know. Maybe he's got, maybe he took one of your cells and he's going to clone you. I don't know what he's going to do. But I do know this, that the God who said, let there be light and the universe leaped into existence is not going to have any problems. No problems at all. All right. Then we who are alive and remain. Now, by the way, this is often referred to as the rapture. You're alive. Jesus comes back, shall be caught up together with him. And they are in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, when Jesus comes back, who's raised? The dead in Christ. Not everybody. See, the Bible talks about two things, and it's real easy to read over this, but it talks about the resurrection from the dead and the resurrection of the dead. From the dead is when Jesus comes back, the believers. Of the dead is a thousand years later, when everybody's raised. Philippians 3, verse 11, Paul is speaking. He says, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead, not of the dead. He said, from the dead. He says, man, that's my goal. He says, I want to be one of those that's raised out. So again, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who'd been beheaded for their witness of Jesus, for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, had not received the mark on their forehead or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. Can you see the resurrection from the dead and the resurrection of the dead? The rest of the dead did not live until the thousand years was finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who takes part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. Did you notice that thousand years, thousand years, thousand years, three times, three verses, and it's mentioned again in verse 12, in verse 3, and in verse 7. There's this time where there's the resurrection from the dead. And then the end comes, sometimes referred to as judgment day. Right? Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose faith the earth and heaven fled away. And there was now no found, no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. That's the judgment day. That's the general resurrection. Now, the Bible does not give us specifically the, the questions that are going to be asked, but there will be two. There will be two. And this, this, this is not word for word, but this is the essence of what every person is going to be asked. Number one, 
What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through him. That's what he said. So that's the first question. Did you live your life knowing about him, but you lived your life for yourself? Or did you receive him as your Lord, as your king? Did you commit your life to him and live for him the best that you could? First question. If you answer that one wrong, that's bad. That is forever and ever bad. If you answered it right, there is another question. What did you do with your life for Jesus? What did you do with your time, with your talent, with your treasure, with your influence? What did you do for Jesus? See, government is, excuse me, government, uh, heaven is not a gover- government housing project. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, it talks about when believers are asked the second question. And it says there are going to be people that everything that they did is going to burn up, but they're going to be saved. There's going to be no reward for them. Right? But you are going to be rewarded. Remember, Jesus said, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is in my hand. I think it's the Message Bible that says, in my paycheck. See, you're going to be rewarded. Now, the things that you do don't get you into heaven. Jesus is the only way in. But what you do for him, right, you're going to be rewarded for those things. So I want to thank you for being with us today. But I want to ask you a question before we close. I want to ask if you're right with God. You know, some of us, we, we'd live for God at one point, but we've drifted away from God. And others, you don't know where you stand with God. But the Bible says this. It says, know that you have everlasting life. We're not supposed to die and find out if we make it to heaven. We're supposed to know now that we're forgiven, right with God, and on our way to heaven. And if you don't know that, you're not where you should be with God. So if you're that person who's away from God, or you're the person who says, I don't know where I stand with God, or I want to be right with God, I want to pray a prayer with you. The Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, we're going to call on his name the way the Bible tells us to. And if you pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. You are going to be saved. You are going to be on your way to heaven. I want you to make these words your own. Just say this out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. And I will live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, a part of your family, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer from your heart, please, please, I wrote a book that'll help you keep on growing spiritually. And I want to give you that book absolutely free of charge. All the information is right there on your screen. You can download the book. Or if you need a hard copy, if you'll contact us, we will get you that hard copy. Hey, we love you and God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. 
It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. In Romans 10:15, it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. By partnering with Walking by Faith, yours are the feet that bring the good news. We have three easy ways to give. One, text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Two, visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. And three, click on the giving icon in our app. Thank you for being a blessing to others around the world. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching for WBF TV. Also, check out our app in your favorite app store. You can download past sermons, follow along with notes, speak confessions over your life, and so much more. I pray you have an amazing week, and we'll see you next time.